good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, uh, for this weekly program coming to you over EWTN Radio and coming you from the studios at the Coming Home Network International in Central Ohio. It's a great pleasure to do this. And in this program, of course, our focus is on the Scriptures and listening and studying the Scriptures within the uh, the arena in which God has given to us to interpret these scriptures, and that is the church, because it's the church through which we have the Bible. Particularly, it's the church through which we have the New Testament canon. So we have to make sure that if we believe that the, the uh, Holy Spirit that guided the accumulation of these particular books to form our New Testament, that if we believe that to be inspired, then we have to recognize the group that God was in fact inspiring, and that was the bishops of the Catholic Church. And so, given that, if we're going to understand what the Word says, then we need to interpret it in the light of the context of the rule of faith of the Church. And so, in this program, we seek to do that. And each week, I invite friends back to join me on this program many of whom are converts to the Catholic Church. Some have been lifelong Catholics who are deeply committed to Scripture and living in obedience to Jesus Christ and uh, have great privilege today because what we've done is invite back uh, our guest from last week, Father Paul Key. Father Key and I go back uh, a number of years. He and I were both Presbyterian pastors before we entered the, the church and he joined us last week on the program, and then in the process we learned that the guest that we had scheduled for this week, Curtis Martin, could not join us on the radio. We'll get him on very soon. He was traveling, so ask Father Paul to join us again, so he's doing that. Before I invite him onto the program, though, I want to remind you that this radio program is connected to a website, deepinscripture.com. If you go to the website, you'll see a picture of today's guest, as well his as his bio, bio excuse me, biography, and the scriptures that Father Paul has chosen for today. You'll also see many contacts for the Coming Home Network International that sponsors this program. We'd love to have you find out more about what we're doing. You'll also see, if you want, you can watch this program live on the internet. But we'd love to have you call us. If you would like to call with a question, you can do so at 800-664-5110. You can call us at our regular number, 740-450-1175. Or you can send me an email at marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, at deepinscripture.com. We've got that email working again this week. And tell your friends, if you're listening to this program, we broadcast live on Wednesdays at 2 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, and then at this program Encores uh, on, uh, this says, uh, Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And we'd love to hear from you. If these programs are making a difference in your spiritual walk, then we'd love to have you send us an email, a letter. Uh, you can find out all that contact information on our website. Now, each week I invite the guests to choose a verse they never saw. What that usually means is a verse from Scripture that they were usually well aware of, but did not see the implications of that verse, often because they are blinded by their tradition, their previous tradition. I think that's true of Father Paul and I. 
coming from our Presbyterian background, the verses that we're going to look at in today's program would certainly fit into that category of verses of the, the true meaning of which at least I was blind to or avoided uh, and stayed far from because the implications of these passages were a direct challenge to how I understood the church from my Presbyterian background. The verses that Father Paul has chosen for today's program, two are from Matthew and one is from the Gospel of John. Let me read these passages and then we'll take a break and Father Paul Key will join us after the break. The first passage comes from Matthew 16, verse 19. Jesus says to his apostles, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then Matthew 18, verse 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So you see that these two passages uh, in some ways are repeating an important uh, gift that Jesus is conveying to the apostles. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then let's turn to John chapter 20, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing me on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. time on The Journey Home. Join Marcus when he welcomes former Anglican Father Peter Walters to the show. Find out what convinced him to leave his faith tradition and make the journey home to the Catholic Church. That's on the next Journey Home, only on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined today by Father Paul Key, who is coming to us uh, from Tyler, Texas. Hello, Father Paul. Hello, Marcus. It's good. After so many years when we were uh, not in communication just because we both got so busy, now we're talking in two weeks in a row. Yes, it's a real treat. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're back connected uh, again, mainly because you moved to Texas and uh, and you're with your family down there. And of course, that's where you uh, received the permission and the great blessing yes. uh, to become ordained as a priest. And so uh, I still have to remind myself to call you Father, though I've known you for Paul forever. So, Right. 
Well, I would really just like to mention, too, that our bishop, Alvaro Corrada, has been very effective in encouraging vocations. And we really, really appreciate him. The diocese is growing and the presbyterate is growing. So under his very excellent leadership, we're doing well. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, you know, maybe before we jump into this passage, we're, this is deep in Scripture, Paul, mm-hmm. Father Paul. Yes. And uh, um, if you would, talk to the audience a bit about your love for Scripture, because I know this, when I think of you, I've always known that you are deeply committed to the study of Scripture. Well, that is correct. And I, I would like to think that I always like to go back to the very basic um, foundations of whatever I'm dealing with. And it was very clear historically in my Protestant background that Scripture was very important. Though I think uh, if we say sola scriptura, that's not really biblical because the Bible, I think it's Second uh, Thessalonians 2.15, mm-hmm. uh, says, where St. Paul says, you need to keep the traditions that I have handed on to you, both those in writing and those spoken orally. And so the Bible itself calls for a recognition of the written scripture, which of course the church itself recognized, and that oral tradition, which the church recognizes as valid oral tradition. There are other traditions that are not valid, but the church has to validate those. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at that, and then that passage in uh, 1 Peter, I think, where where Peter says that the interpretation of Scripture is never up to the individual person, but under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And so when I went to Scripture, I found that I needed to deal with sacred Scripture, sacred tradition, and the authority of the church, and it sure looked to me in Dei Verbum, I think it's Dei Verbum number nine out of the documents of Vatican II, that the Catholic Church was doing exactly what Scripture said. And actually, isn't it true, Father, that uh, you and I are both Presbyterian pastors, and you just described what is often described as the three-legged stool of authority in the church. Uh, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. Yes. You and I, in essence, even though we believed in sola scriptura and therefore believed that the Holy Spirit could guide you or me if we were open to understanding scripture, yet, in reality, we always fell back onto a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. It's just that we had a different tradition and looked to a different magisterium. And an inaccurately built three-legged stool. Yeah. The the problem is, you know, when every denomination, therefore, is going to have a different tradition mm-hmm. and a different magisterium or leadership. And anyone looking at the news recently notices, for example, one particular denomination in America just this last week elected a lesbian bishop. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, excuse me, but my particular church does not recognize that as authentic truth is not all following the teachings of the of christ morally and ethically but they've set up a separate tradition with a separate magisterium that believes that truth is democratic and therefore they redefine truth right and that we can know truth better than god yeah i really think god is really smart <laughs> let me comment further on what you're saying too because 
I want to talk about the gift that we have in the kind of training that Catholic priests have to have, which most Protestant ministers don't. And that is Catholic uh, seminarians, before they get into the study of sacred scripture and the, and the truths of the church, uh, have to study philosophy. <laughs> and the history of philosophy is really the history of how cultures have thought about thinking. And I would just uh, say very strongly to you and your audience, because I, this has amazed me, we are very, very much limited by our philosophical positions yeah. in terms of what we can see and understand. And the topic for today, uh, for me, is one of those, uh, confessing our sins to God through a priest, which for years as a Protestant, I would say, you can't confess your sins to a, to a person. That won't do any good. You have to go to God. And that was a philosophical position that I had taken and that many, many of my sincere evangelical friends had taken, which is biblically inaccurate. Yeah. In fact, remember last week when we were talking, we pointed to the scripture in First John chapter 1, Yes. Uh, in which it says, verse 8, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Then verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And as a mm -hmm. Presbyterian pastor, I would use that verse to encourage my congregation to, in fact, get on their knees before God for their sinfulness. Yes. But as the pastor, I wasn't involved with that at all. It was right. just them and Jesus. And, the, you know, the, the, the problem is we do something wrong and then we turn to God, Lord, I'm sorry, you know, help mm -hmm. me and then move on mm -hmm. do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no... Right. There's no process to help us really deal with it. Well, talking about process, yeah. and I, I wish I had this on your website, because as I've worked on this, I've also taught confirmation with teenagers. I really like teaching teenagers. I'm also a certified teacher in Texas of chemistry and physics at the high school level, and so I've been through that four years. <laughs> and I've been trying to work up sheets that explain the benefits of what we do. Mm -hmm. And I have a sheet that's called The Benefits of the Practice of Reconciliation. On that, I lay out seven basic steps that we need to do to make a good confession. And then down on the right-hand side, I've got benefits that come to us. But then as I looked at that sheet, it has struck me, and especially in my practice as a priest of hearing confessions, of the tremendous power that comes from having verbal confession to a priest where there's give and take. Because it used to be when we get on our knees and pray God, pray to God, yep. usually we don't have a voice coming back guiding us in the formation of conscience, uh, probing us in the examination of conscience, nor do we have anyone giving us any kind of guidance for correction, penance, counsel, or clarification. And what we're left to do is to, uh, you know, decide ourselves how God is hearing our confession. Yes. And I mean, I can give, I won't, I won't mention names uh, to protect the innocent, but I know recently of, I heard recently of a story where uh, a man who was serving, in, not a Catholic, serving in a Protestant denomination, mm -hmm. a major Bible leader, but who fell in love with his secretary 
and believed that this was God calling him to do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he apologizes to his wife for the breakup of their marriage, but mm-hmm. then believes that God is calling him to move on. So yeah. he's not up, he's not accountable to anybody above him. He just decides that he's hearing God. Well, let's take that back philosophically. When I studied philosophy with the Jesuits in Belgium, uh, they described in a wonderful book by uh, Monsignor Cavain and uh, Dr. Rhonda Shervin, mm-hmm. uh, The Love of Truth. Oh, it's a great summary of philosophy. That is a great summary, and it points out evils and dangers. And the modern worldly philosophy is called subjective idealism, and subjective means everything centers and comes from the individual. Whatever I want to believe, however I feel, it's what really is valid for me that's valid. And that is in exactly direct conflict with revealed truth as understood both in the traditional Protestant denominations and in Catholicism. And so we're really in a battle of worldviews in which that which is expressed in our media and far too often that which is expressed in our church and our church programs really puts the individual at the center of things instead of God and God's Word. These, with these passages that you've mentioned, I want to apply that to this because that's, okay. that is really awesome. Because before we look at the three passages, I want to ask you a question about sure. your experience both as a Protestant and a Catholic. Mm-hmm. When I was an evangelical Protestant, whenever I would read Scripture then mm-hmm. and, and was listening to what Jesus was saying, mm-hmm. my immediate knee-jerk first analysis was to say, okay, how are, what are you saying in this passage to me? Yes. So, example, John 14, <clears throat> 15, and 16, those three mm-hmm. chapters, when Jesus yes. is promising the Holy Spirit to guide his listeners into mm-hmm. all truth, to help mm-hmm. them remember, I immediately took those passages to mean Jesus was saying this to everybody, as opposed mm-hmm. to specifically to those who were in his hearing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. talk about that, because in the three passages that we're going to study, it's important to make this distinction. Say, say a little bit more about uh, the distinction. In other words, in Matthew 16, in Matthew 18, in Matthew 20, mm-hmm. he's giving a gift of the keys of the kingdom and this ability to bind and loose. This isn't being given by Jesus to every individual Christian in the world. That is correct. In Matthew sixteen nineteen, uh, it is it is given to the church. In Math, I'm sorry. In sixteen nineteen, it's given to Peter. Yes. As the chief of the apostles of the apostles, in Matthew eighteen, it is given to the church, and in John twenty twenty three, it is specifically given to the apostles. And I think we're going to take a break. Uh, Father Paul, and yeah. I think this, as we get into this, I think this is an important distinction. These mm-hmm. gifts that Paul, that Jesus is speaking about in this, that to me, that's the uniqueness of what's going on. He is speaking specifically to empowering his apostles mm-hmm. and their successors, mm-hmm. as opposed to allowing every individual Christian to have this power mm-hmm. to loose and bind. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. own sins, Lord Jesus, forgive me, and then mm-hmm. I move on. Uh, as a, and I think this gets back to your understanding of this subjective, mm-hmm. what you call it, subjective individualism, or yep. however you want to say it. In yep. other words, it's all about me. That's right. 
And I think to fully understand these passages, we have to see who specifically Jesus Mm -hmm. was speaking to and why. And we'll talk about that when we get back from our break. Good. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody. I'm joined today by Father Paul Key, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Next time on Life on the Rock. Parents are called to inspire in their children a love and devotion to God. Tune in when Dawn and Dave Kinsman join Doug and Father Mark to talk about Catholic parenthood. That's on the next Life on the Rock, only on EWTN. Life on the Rock is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody. I am joined today by Father Paul Key. I want to remind you that next week on Deep in Scripture, is it next week, I think? I'm looking at everybody's next week, Dion. No, in two weeks, we've got Dion on the program. And uh, so I want to make sure that you tune in uh, to our programs. They're always a lot of fun, a variety of folk. And I'm hoping they're all an encouragement to you. And Father Paul, during the break, I asked Mary Claire, who uh, takes care of our website here, and she is very willing to post on the Deep in Scripture website this document that you were talking about, if you'd want to send it to me. Mm, Okay. Um, I know you you talked about it to the folk, and I sure. think it would be helpful. So when you get a moment, tweak it a little bit if you get some time, and, and I'll just let the audience know that it will get up there soon. It may not right. be there today, but it will get it up there in case anyone would like to uh, to hear, you, especially your talks about making a better confession. Okay, I've got about four or five sheets that I hand out. Let me kind of chuckle with you about this, but <laughs> I'm a teacher, and I want people to be able to know what they're doing. Yeah. And so as I got started in doing confessions, I found that people didn't know different things. And so I've worked up a series of different sheets that I hand out, and I now have the reputation as the priest who gives homework in confession. <laughs> things to read. I've got, and I'll, uh, I'll put up, for example, I've got detailed uh, material in the Ten Commandments, both in English and Spanish. All right. As a matter of fact, most of this stuff is English and Spanish, so I want right. to send you both sets. Excellent. Well, if it would be... Helpful to the audience, uh, mm-hmm. and, and if you'd love to pass it along, we, we'd love yeah. to post it there for everyone. Well, people really seem to be excited to get it. Um, let me affirm something about the Catholics I'm running into, at least. Is I'm, I teach a baptism class at, uh, at our church, and it's just a two-hour baptism class. I've got a PowerPoint plus these resources. And I asked the people if they'd like to have these copies, and they said yes. And because it costs quite a bit to run this stuff off, and we're a mission church, 
a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, two months ago, I asked the group if they would contribute something in a free will offering when we got done, uh, just to help us out with cost. 158 bucks, <laughs> which tells me we have a lot of people in our church who really want to get material that they can read, they can meditate and understand our faith, how our faith works, because nothing works as well as what God has revealed through his church, which is the Catholic Church. It fits together beautifully. It's biblically harmonious, and it works, but we have to get it out so we know how to make it work. Yeah, and there's so many remainders of the black myth floating around of people mm-hmm. that really don't understand the church but mm-hmm. think they do and mm-hmm. are going to say things to uh, dissuade people from really being open to the graces that are in this church. That's right. Now these passages of Matthew 16:19, mm-hmm. Matthew 18:18, 18, 18, yeah. John 20:23 20, all of them deal with this binding and loosing that yes. Jesus is giving mm-hmm. and let me say as we jump into this Paul given mm-hmm. what I said before you know, my background before, I would look at the passage and prayerfully say, okay, what does this say to me? Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, as a layman, wh- wh- what do I deal with these passages? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do they apply to me? To, uh, Jesus, are you, are you giving everybody the, this power to forgive sins? Mm-hmm. Or if I, uh, 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 in the old days, applied it to the pastor, or when I was a pastor, mm-hmm. did I have a unique power to forgive sins? Mm-hmm. Um, so... How did you understand these passages before, Paul? Well, I tried to avoid them, actually. <laughs> I, I found them you and me both. quite inconvenient. And the, and, uh, the fact that our, our churches, many of the Protestant churches, are using the Revised Vatican Lectionary has brought up a lot of inconvenient <laughs> truths. Um, it, it clarifies things. Let me suggest, first of all, a way to study Scripture to get into the mind of the church. All right. For any of... Uh, your listeners, who have a catechism. In the back of the catechism, there is a scriptural index. Oh, yeah, that's one of the beauties of the, of the revised catechism. That's right, and the revised catechism gives you a scriptural index which tells you where every one of those scripture passages is cited, and many times it's 10 or 20 citations. What I have tried to do when I preach or when I teach involving any given scripture passage, I like to go back, look in that... Um, look in that index, and then look up in the catechism, because that way I can find how the church, at least at this time, had chosen to see and how to interpret that passage, yes. which helps me to avoid playing on my habits or my preconceptions. But what I preach and what I teach uh, must be guided and be cons- at least consistent with what the catechism uh, has as uses of those passages. I think that's a very powerful tool for getting beyond just my personal thing and looking at this passage in the way that the church looks at it. Uh, Paul, this is so key because I remember as a Protestant, Mm -hmm. the way that I would study Scripture, the way I was taught to to prepare for a sermon, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. was I was not to look at any commentators, Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. of that, till Mm -hmm. about Thursday. Monday I was to use the original language Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. basically produce my own translation of a text and then come up with my understanding of that text. And then Wednesday or Thursday, I would go to, like you said, uh, uh, some kind of concordance or uh, commentators to look at what other people right. have said. And what I found was often I'm only going to those that I've hand-chosen. Well, that's right. And it, it's very interesting what you're saying to me right now. 
and I I was taught the same way, <laughs> and when I thought I was being really virtuous, I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, if you could get back into the original Greek and translate that out and see that, and there's a value to doing that, yeah. because you have to know what the words mean, that kind of a thing. That is a method almost perfectly tailored to an individualistic, subjective interpretation of the passage. Mm-hmm. I now before I ever do that, would want to do that little exercise in the catechism, yes. then do the word study, then do the, the trusted commentaries. Mm-hmm. I like the Navarre study Bible. Yep. Uh, there's some others that are good to get hold of. But I would look at what the church teaches first and then see, using my creativity, how I can apply it in a helpful way, but that is certainly consistent with the teaching of the church. That really is the difference between Catholic and Protestant Bible study. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when we were Protestants, we would gather around a table with Bibles Mm -hmm. and believe that we could go right to the Bible and decide Mm -hmm. we are going to discover the truth about baptism. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, as Catholics, we recognize the Holy Spirit has guided the church Mm -hmm. for 2,000 years Mm -hmm. to understand the the meaning of baptism, now we go to the Bible to see how that is fleshed out. That is correct. In the scriptures itself. In this passage, Matthew sixteen nineteen. then, Paul, let me read it again. Yes. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Mm-hmm. I would say, when I look back on my Protestant days, I'd ask the question, what is Jesus talking about? because mm-hmm. it didn't connect at all to my understanding of Protestant ministry or Protestantism. Well, for me, it caused a crisis, yep. because I was enough of a student of history. I, I had a book on pastoral practice that went back to the apostles and was consistent in history. Uh, it was, And so I could see that, and I said, dang. <laughs> now, it's Not only is it delegating, in this case, to St. Peter that power, it is also a power to forgive or not to forgive. Mm-hmm. That is, there's an element of judgment in this. That's amazing. Yeah, it does, does the passage say, Paul, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven? In, in other words, is Jesus telling the apostles, in this case Peter, mm-hmm. that the decision he makes as the representative of Jesus, is thereby confirmed in heaven. Now, I would have to assume that that is the case, except if you've got somebody who's corrupt doing something illegitimately. Okay. There's all, God always has his judgment and his understanding. It may be that there are conditions or situations that I as a priest do not understand. Uh, I may not have the time to sort everything out. I'll, I'll give you an example. And one of those is that if somebody comes to confession and confesses doing something, but they say, I'm really not interested in stopping it, I'm going to continue doing it. If there is no desire to change, as I understand the guidelines of confession, I cannot give absolution. But let's say that there was a bad case of abuse or something, something really bad that had happened that I'm not aware of. It could be that God will finally make a judgment differently. Uh, and I, that's a very difficult thing. And that's why priests, I think, are very reluctant to 
not to retain sins, not to forgive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, only occasionally have I had to do that, and I've asked our bishop about that because he has said uh, that in that case uh, I should not um, give the forgiveness, but I can give a blessing for further healing and growth. All right. Well, God knows the hearts That's right. of both the priest and the mm-hmm. person who, the penitent, That's better right. than either know. Right. We, we don't better than we know ourselves. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, a priest may be distracted. A, a, a penitent may not be honest, mm-hmm. but That's God right. knows. That's right. But on the face value of the thing, especially if you've got a person who is trained, and I like to show people somewhere in the Bible, in the tradition, if it's something we're grappling with, usually people know what's right and wrong, in my experience. Well, that's not true. Hmm. That's really not true. That's another issue I want to bring up with you and the re- and the listeners today, uh, is how do we how do we really get our conscience formed? But many times we really do know. Um, I I hope that problematical times like you're talking about don't occur very often. Yeah. Well, l- let's assume that we have listening today. It's possible uh, a person who's now in the shoes where you and I were, Paul, mm-hmm. a Presbyterian pastor. Yep. looks at these passages mm-hmm. and does not mm-hmm. see how they co- they click with their Protestant background, mm-hmm. but also do not understand how Catholics understand this. Explain right. these three passages. The first, that's to Peter. The second, that's to the church in general, you know, the, the apostles in, in, in a wider sense. Sure. And John 20, which is mm-hmm. to the apostles specifically. Explain to them how we understand these passages from a Catholic perspective. Sure. Well, we understand these to be the way, the, the function of forgiveness and the sacrament of forgiveness developed in the Church. It is very clear that Jesus set this up. If we go all the way back to the Gospel of Matthew, and we look at Matthew chapter 1, uh, 21, the angel says to Joseph, his name will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And we have to answer the question, How do we get saved from our sins? Well, we get saved through faith and responding in faith and obedience to the Word of God. And it is very clear that Jesus set this up. In all all three of these references, I have on my sheet under confession to a priest, because people may not understand, Jesus, who is God himself, delegated this power to his church and to his apostles so they could oversee and manage the process of reconciliation. It was very similar to the role that the uh, priests had in the temple in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. If you remember when the lepers were healed, before they could be admitted back to uh, society, they had to go present themselves to the priests and be declared, you are clean. And so this, this really is a, to me, it shows practically how God set it up. If we looked at the history of confession, we'd see that there have been various and different forms. Sometimes it's been more public, uh, kind of like it says in James 5:16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at the history of how this developed, the church found out before too long that it really was not helpful to have all of this confession done really publicly, because at least in some places, people came to church more to hear the sins than they came to hear the Word of God. And it fueled gossip and debate. And so fairly quickly in the life of the church, confession became a more private thing. 
and I think that's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus wisely saw and set up for. The form of confession that we have today is the form that we have has been guided by the Holy Spirit throughout the life of the Church to, to make this forgiveness available to us. And it's not just forgiveness. It is formation of conscience. It is examination of conscience. It is cultivating a feeling of sorrow and contrition for what we find we have done wrong, because God said it, not even because we necessarily felt it initially, and then to do the penance, to change our way of life, to avoid the near occasions of sin. We're called on to do practical steps to avoid it. I mean, this thing has been worked out in such beauty and in such detail that when you have people and priests who understand the fullness of this, of this practice, you have all these blessings and benefits that come. Uh, let me give you a, a, an example. Let, let's see how we work on this one. Because I think we all know that the Ten Commandments, I mean, that Jesus said he came to fulfill the commandments. Yep. And the Ten Commandments are the basic guideline for Christian life. Um, now, we know that the Fourth Commandment, at least in the Catholic Church, the way we divided them up, is to honor your father and mother, okay. that your days may be long upon the earth that the Lord your God has given you. Uh how do we convince children? How do we convince children that that is a commandment of God and it's really in their interest to obey and support their parents instead of take off on this crazy notion of youth and teenage independence? How many kids get into trouble because they disobey the guidelines of their parents? Yeah, yeah. Or the sixth commandment deals with sexuality. Right now, we have a tremendous, in all of our ethnic groups and cultures, of young women and young men getting together sexually without being married. It was just on uh, TV recently, was it? Columbia University is now having uh, live-in mixed-sex rooms. Well, I just, not long on the news, there was a report that a particular high school in, I may have better name the city, but a particular mm-hmm. high school had 111 girls who were pregnant Yep. in one high school. That's right. Now, we know that for women that is the fastest route into poverty. Yep. We know that in terms of establishing a good and a stable marriage, the more relationships one has before marriage and the longer, the longer that one is sexually active before one becomes married, the greater the probability of divorce. I was just talking to one of our pediatric doctors in one of our conferences here, and she was just describing the consequences of the collapse of morals and the collapse of the family and the consequence on the kids. Absolutely horrible. Now, I would argue that everything that God teaches is sin is given to us as a warning for our protection. And if we listen to God and to God's Word... That gives us advance notice on what is helpful and what is destructive. And every form of sin destroys human relationships, and it destroys our relationship with God. So if we really approach this sacrament and the exercises that go into it, we would want to be learning God's Word, respecting what He says, 
and knowing that for our happiness and our fulfillment, our stability and our salvation, we would really want to do what God says. Are we doing that in terms of obedience to legitimate authority, which is the fourth commandment? Are we doing it in terms of obedience to discipline in our sexuality and our reproduction, which is the sixth commandment? Are we doing it in relationship to greed and materialism, which is really the uh, yeah. 10th commandment? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is that why we're dying because of credit card debt and debt and greed? Yeah. The, the, is that too simple? It's Again, you get us back to this formation of conscience and and uh, to a certain extent, we can't give what we ain't got. That's right. If you ain't got nothing to examine, you can't examine your conscience. I mean, there we are. I look at these three passages, and again, thinking back when I was a, a Presbyterian pastor, mm-hmm. Paul, the closest I got to this was counseling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastoral counseling. That's all that I had. Mm-hmm. There was no confession. And so, yeah. you know, at least once a week, Mm-hmm. At least once a week, someone from my congregation will, would have made an appointment to come and talk with me mm-hmm. privately. And mm-hmm. there we're sitting in the office, and <clears throat> they're not really, on the one hand, thinking that they're confessing their sins to me, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, they're laying it all out there. That's right. And there I am, the pastor, and I'm getting all the dirty laundry, and now it's up to me to, to pass over the wisdom and I remember this is one of the things that led to my becoming Catholic, mm-hmm. at least leaving the pastor, because I realized that these people were looking to me. Mm-hmm. They didn't call it to bind or loose, but that's what they were looking for. They wanted mm-hmm. me to help them, to inform their conscience, to make right decisions. Mm-hmm. And what was I using? My gut instinct, my mm-hmm. personal interpretation of Scripture. I'm thinking you were probably in the same boat. Well, I started out in the same boat, but then I became evangelical, and a good evangelical Protestant really comes out in a position uh, very close to what the Catholic Church wants in terms of its people's knowledge of Scripture. That is, it wants us living and thinking out of a biblical format. But let me say something. I agree with you, but I was evangelical. But for example, Paul, the passages in Matthew that say, about divorcing a wife. Yeah. My interpretation of that passage was different than the Catholic Church's view, and I thought I was sure. going by Scripture. Well, that is correct, and then you, and that's when you come up with those 25,000 different denominations, and right. everybody thinks they're right. Yeah. Uh, and I, or contraception. I mean, yep. as a Presbyterian, yep. you know, my view of that was a whole lot different than the Catholic Church. Well, that's right, and that brought me, and you wrote up a paper someday you ought to put on the website. If you remember that page you wrote up, uh, way, way back when, about how many times Peter shows up leading the disciples. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that in my file. And your study on that helped me to see, and of course that led me into the Catholic Church too, because that affirms the authority of the Holy Father and the authority of the Church and the authority of the Catholic Church. And I came to the conclusion that I really had to be part of the Holy Catholic Church, not the invisible church, but the physical church with the bishops and the pope and the whole thing, because that's where that authority lay. I think your analysis was correct. I probably had already been contaminated by so many Catholic ideas that I was applying more Catholic principles to that. Well, we're going to take another break, Paul, and come back. We'll have about eight or so minutes. Uh, Let's talk really practically about these verses. Let's say Mm that there are people out there that really need to hear what Jesus was saying in this passage. Mm-hmm. They 
are struggling with sin, about feeling, or not just feeling, but experience authentic mm-hmm. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. How do these passages help you as a priest and the church convey that authentic forgiveness mm-hmm. uh, for them to move on, mm-hmm. to grow closer to our Lord Jesus? Let's talk mm-hmm. about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by Father Paul Key, and you're hearing, me on, hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined by Father Paul Key. Father Paul, it says in John 20, 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And in the context, we believe that this is Jesus giving a particular privilege and authority to the 12. Well, that that is correct. I think for for the faithful, to receive the benefits of this, we've got a lot of work. Number one, we need to know our faith. We need to be seriously about formation of conscience. We need to learn how to do examination of conscience. I frequently have the feeling that people very sincerely come to confession having spent very little time in preparation. And the time of preparation is really important. I also think, and I want to put in a word for vocations here, of, and I've seen some programs that have had some very well-trained priests like Youth 2000, uh, the Subinville Conferences for Youth, where you've got some highly motivated priests who have spent the time to learn how to do this. Um, we need a blossoming of vocations, at least a large number of which have got to have a zeal for the practice of reconciliation. The Catholic, our canon law makes it incumbent upon every Catholic to confess sins at least once a year. Our bishop, and I think in a very profound pastoral insight, is encouraging all of us in the, in the Diocese of Tyler to confess our sins. Now, priests are expected to confess every two weeks, but for the faithful to confess once every month or every two months, so that we are always Uh, reflecting on how am I doing, we are always examining our life. We are always growing better in an awareness of what God wants. And when we're doing that on a regular basis, there is a kind of growth and awareness that occurs. Uh, Plato said, great (laughs) non-biblical reference, but the Christian tradition would also affirm that only a person who is doing good and has his uh, conscience in order can really understand the good. And that means 
we can only make so much progress at a time. We have to clean up our act to a certain extent, go back before God in humility and prayer. It is my experience that with people who have a regular practice of confession, that a habit takes place and things go on spiritually in their lives so that there is a beautiful flowering of new life. If, if there's a, another verse I'd like to point out in this uh-huh. process about, uh, if I could, uh, Father Paul, Please. Philippians three, sixteen and 17, mm-hmm. where he says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so, in other words, there's a challenge to us to know our faith, to mm-hmm. build our conscience, to uh, surrender to Jesus and his church mm-hmm. and, and, and to seek. But verse 17 mm-hmm. is a reminder that that people need um, the models to aim towards. Because he says, mm-hmm. brethren, join in imitating me mm-hmm. and mark those who so live as you have an example in us. Oh, the treasury of the saints. Yes. As well as mm-hmm. priests and deacons yep. that are willing to say, imitate me as yes. I imitate Jesus. Yeah, do you remember back in the days of the Protestant ministry when everybody kept arguing, we're no different, don't put any more pressure on us? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is very clear. St. Paul says the same thing several times. He says, imitate me as I follow Christ. The stakes are high in leadership. That's right. And and when we call to vocation, that's a big call to it. That's a big challenge. But we recognize, you know, when a, when a priest enters into the box, Mm-hmm. And he is recognizing a great responsibility and authority mm-hmm. and uh, and gift that yes. he has for everyone. But of course, as you know, as a priest, you know your job doesn't end in the box. Right. You come forth <clears throat> and show people how to live what you've just challenged them to do. Well, that's very interesting for me, being one of a few married priests. <laughs> we just finished a marriage enrichment seminar. My wife and I have been married 38 years. We are so enthusiastically and profoundly in love. Wonderful relationship. I had a deacon working with me, married for 33 years. They have a wonderful relationship. Uh, How powerful it was in front of a whole bunch of people who are not even sure you can stay married for two or three years, (laughs) at least to have an example of people who have done it, who are doing it, and claim to know something about how to do it. Yeah. In fact, isn't it true? Invariably, when you're in Catholic situations, if someone says, oh, I just celebrated, my wife and I just celebrated our 50th anniversary, often they'll get a standing ovation. Yep. That's right. That's right. And I I just really appreciate it. Marcus, every time we dialogue, you give me something else. And this passage from Philippians (laughs) just ties right together with how to appropriate this. Let me just reiterate again. I am so happy to be Catholic because I find time after time after time in our Catholic faith, all these different elements fit together just seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. Well, this, if, if you want to tie that passage from Philippians to the ones you've mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. God is giving a gift to Peter, mm-hmm. to the church and to the 12 of this mm-hmm. great gift that frees people from the guilt and the burden of their sins. Mm-hmm. But with it, he is saying, you carry a great responsibility yep. to show people how to live. And there are times we've failed. That's right. You, you know, so 
just because we fail doesn't mean it casts aside the responsibility. Well, what that means, there's a great challenge. And I would like to challenge every young man listening today to say, if you want a really exciting challenge in terms of making your life your witness and your teaching, conform to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be uh, fruitful, take a look at the priesthood. There is no greater challenge. There is no greater need. The Lord has tremendous need for those who will pick up the the, the burden of of helping to give spiritual direction and spiritual leadership. Uh, Tremendously exciting. You will be tired, but you will never be bored. (laughs) Hey, Father Paul, how about in closing our, our program today, I could ask you for a prayer and a blessing for our audience. Sure. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today, Lord Jesus, you have given us insight into one special one of your sacraments, the sacrament of reconciliation. I pray that you would help this to have been a springboard so that many of those who are listening would journey deeper into this sacrament, that they would learn not only how to do it, but the very great blessings that come to us from being reconciled to you and reconciled to one another. Give us, Lord Jesus, the power of your Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do that which we need to do and to know what we need to know so that we can be truly in your mind, of your mind, and not of the world. Bless everyone listening today to bring the gifts of our Catholic faith, of our Catholic sacraments, of the sacred Bible, the sacred tradition, and the, and the sacred magisterium to bear on our lives to help us be faithful in this life and be brought to be with you forever in heaven. All of this we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Paul. Love to have you back. Thank you. Let's uh, make sure we get together again anyway as friends. So thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture, Paul. Thank you. And all of you listening, I hope this has been an encouragement to you, especially you Catholics that maybe have been hesitant to get back to the sacrament. This is the time. It's never too late. And uh, it never is short of offering you the great blessings of grace that each one of us needs to be able to turn fully in the direction of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his church, and to live according to his word and according to the great blessings of his grace. So don't ever let that opportunity pass. And thank you also for joining us on this program again. I'd love to hear from you. The phone call and email are at our website, deepinscripture.com. And uh, look forward to you joining us next week. If you have any questions, please give us a call. God bless you. See you next week.